0: life has a way of creating the need for wisdom we get these crossroads in life and it's like ah i need wisdom and finding wisdom is a huge theme throughout scripture if you've been reading with us in our our bible project reading plan 365 days finding jesus we've been trucking through the old testament and one of the major themes through the old testament is wisdom, godly wisdom. How do you get wisdom? So today we're concluding our series on longing for the king, and we've been looking at uh, Saul and and David and and the kings and and Solomon and the ups and downs of that. And a lot of the writers of the, the kings, both David and Solomon, had a lot to do with what we call the wisdom literature. The wisdom literature is, in the Hebrew Bible, is Job It is Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. So you get a lot of Solomon and David in these wisdom books. Now, who doesn't want to learn how to get along better with people, right? Only people that are growing old crotchety at that point in time. Otherwise, the rest of us are wanting to learn how to get along with people, how to have better people skills, how to make good decisions how to handle our emotions? Well, the Book of Proverbs is such a, a good book to 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 that wisdom of ha- having those things in our life. Years back, State Farm Insurance, um, pre Patrick Mahomes, brought. <laughs> okay, State Farm rated the most dangerous intersections for accidents in the United States. And the winner was the corner of Beltline Road and Midway Road in Addison, Texas. 263 accidents a year at this intersection. That's five a week that they were having. Life brings us to the corner of Beltline Road and Midway Road a lot. We're at these tough intersections of life where if we don't know how to make a good decision we're going to find ourselves in a crash we're going to find ourselves in an accident how do we navigate through those things again we're going to see this in the book of proverbs and i I pray that you'll have a new appreciation for the book of proverbs after today you ever thought to yourself if i could go back in time i would have done blank differently anybody got a few of those (laughs) yeah it takes experience to find some life's experience to find out what not to do sometimes we learn from failure we, we learn from difficulty wisdom in itself is is not necessarily iq although it's part of it but it's not, not when it comes to biblical wisdom godly wisdom it is the ability to see and understand life from god's perspective That's really what wisdom is. It's the wisdom to live a life that brings God honor. So let's look at this today. What are the Proverbs? What are the Proverbs? Because in many other books and religions and stuff, they have their own Proverbs, right? Proverbs from the Hebrew Bible, the Proverbs are God-inspired principles for living a wise and godly life. They're God-inspired principles for living a wise and godly life. Here's what Proverbs 3 says. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you long life in her right hand, and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life, and circle that. To those who embrace her, happy are those who hold her tightly. Wisdom's a tree of life. Again, if you've been reading, you see that trees are a theme throughout Scripture. And you go all the way back to the garden, and there's trees in the garden that Adam and Eve were told you can eat freely of any of these trees. And in the middle of the, the the garden was the tree of life, and then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were told, "Don't eat from that tree, you'll die." And we know they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and we've been doing the same thing ever since. But wisdom being a tree of life, when you look at the life of Jesus you see someone in our human flesh in this fallen world live in the wisdom of God by eating from the tree of life that's a metaphor for being in tune with the will of the father everywhere Jesus went he listened to his father and then he did what his father told him to do he learned how to do that in walking in the spirit now, sometimes we make the mistake and we say man you know i'm just i'm only human and you know, that's not really true. We're becoming human as we follow Jesus. Jesus is the one true human who in, in how God designed humanity to live in a, in a selfless life, self-denial, doing the will of the Father, eating from the tree of life. He is that perfect human. We're becoming that as we learn how to do that as well and walk in the, the wisdom of God. So who wrote the Proverbs? Well, it's pretty self-explanatory in Proverbs 1.1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Solomon wrote about 90%. In uh, in the Proverbs, there's 31 Proverbs. So if you wanted to, to read, you've never read Proverbs before, you could read one a day and have read them all within a month. And highly encourage that if you haven't done that. But as a young king... So God comes and visits Solomon in a dream, and he says, ask of me whatever you want, and he asks for wisdom. He says, God, I need wisdom to know right from wrong, to, to from good and evil, to make right decisions. I need wisdom, and God says, because you didn't ask me for riches and power and fame, I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you all these other things as well. Solomon had the leadership gift of of uh, Steve Jobs. He had the money of Bill Gates, right? He had the brains of Albert Einstein, and he had the looks of Brian Sump. All <laughs> put put together in one lump. He was the the whole package, not just the not just the looks, but so he he was a unique fella, right? He he had it going on. What's the purpose of the Proverbs? What's the purpose? Proverbs 1, 2 through 4 says, Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people how to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Now, a lot of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes is Solomon reflecting back on his life, reflecting back on some of the mistakes he made and the things that he learned when he broke covenant with God, because he did. The first 11 chapters of 1 of, uh, Kings, Solomon's killing it. He's, he's doing such great things and walking in the wisdom of God. But then all of a sudden in chapter 11, he turns and starts following the foreign gods Of the foreign women and it really was his downfall And it was the downfall to the kingdom of israel and ultimately God in his his passive Judgment so to speak allowed consequences to happen And they were exiled taken into babylon and we're going to start looking at that next week as We see what happened to the children of israel as they were in babylon and, and the kingdom being just Broken in two, so to speak. So he's reflecting. When you're reading these Proverbs, you're reading from a seasoned, wise, older man. You're reading somebody and he's telling his sons, Listen to me, here's how here's how you should live your life. Billy Graham said, The Psalms teach us how to get along with God. The Proverbs teach us how to get along with others. So true. It's the Psalms are our vertical relationship and um the Proverbs are horizontal relationships with people. The Proverbs focus on human character and conduct. I said this a few weeks ago, but Tim Mackey defined what the fear of the Lord is as, the fear of the Lord is a healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. It's a healthy respect of God's definition of right and wrong. That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord and the meaning of that Hebrew word. I love that. Older people, don't you wish you knew that when you were younger and have a healthy respect for how God defines things rather than my own instinct or being wise in my own eyes? I could have missed out on a lot of stupid stuff that I did when I was younger. But I know it now, and that's why I'm passionate, looking back on my life. And, and for young people watching or listening, man, let God define what is good and evil and right and wrong, not yourself, not society, not culture. Because you know what? More than society, culture, or your friends, He loves you perfectly. And He says to do something or not to do it, it's because He loves you. And He wants what's best for you. You can take that to the bank then the proverbs help us to learn how to make right and wise decisions i think it was the philosopher voltaire who said common sense isn't so common anymore <laughs> have you ever heard of the, the website the darwin awards anybody ever seen that it's hilarious but it's sad it's the it's compilations of things that real people did lacking common sense like There was a guy named Larry who wanted to see if he could make his own hot air balloon. (laughs) And he blows up all these helium balloons, and then he just takes off. And he's in like the airspace where airplanes fly, and they're trying to get him (laughs) down, to slowly get him down. I mean, he got a high award on the Darwin Awards for what he did. It's a true story. So when it comes to the Proverbs, who's wise? The Proverbs talks over and over about who really is wise. And I just said this, but the person who fears the Lord is wise. The person who has a healthy respect for what, how God defines good and evil. That person's wise. Who else is wise? So the person who obeys God's word. The person who obeys God's word. You know, it takes faith and trust to believe And obey what god says to do because sometimes it doesn't make sense i was thinking about the story in the gospel where um peter and the boys come in from a a long night of fishing it's one of my favorite stories and they come in from a long night of fishing and jesus is walking along the shore of the sea of galilee and he sees them and he says go take your boat back out and, and drop your nets I've always kind of read between the lines a little bit on what was going on in Peter's mind. He's like probably thinking to himself, um, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. This is what I do for a living. This is the worst time of the day to go fishing. You make the tables, I'll do the fishing. And yet he had caught a glimpse of something in Jesus early on. We, when you see Peter's life, you see him grow from this zealous guy to a humble guy. But he had seen something, and he says, "This doesn't make any sense." But because you say so, I'll do it. And he goes back out onto the water, and he pulls in the largest catch of fish he could ever dream. The nets broke because you say so. I will. Peter was becoming wise. Again, when you obey what God says to do and you believe and trust that he actually has your best intentions at heart, then you begin to become wise. And you see that in the life of Peter. He grew in wisdom to ultimately be, you know, the, the apostle in Jerusalem and preach the word and the gospel and thousands of people came to Christ. He grew in his wisdom as well as he learned to obey Jesus. And then who's wise? The person who seeks instruction and continues learning. Let me let you in on a secret. You ready? None of us have arrived, nor none of us will ever arrive this side of eternity. You never stop growing. You never stop learning. That, there are times of great growth spurts, and sometimes we regress, but you never get to a point of arrival. And it's important that we realize that, man. Continue to learn and grow in your wisdom, in your people skills, in the way you interpret life in the world around you. Wise people never say, it's too late for me to grow. It's too late for me. Wise people don't say that. Wise people say, yeah, I need to grow. Yeah, I'm learning. They stay teachable. And then, who's wise? The person who seeks humility. Humility. The person who seeks humility, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. It's not about you. It's a, it's a creator-creation relationship. He's the creator, I'm the creation, and humility postures us, put, positions us to continue to learn from God and from from one another. Ultimately, and then who's wise? The person who controls their anger and tongue oops oh no i didn't but i didn't actually solomon did but a foolish person is quick-tempered a foolish person the proverb says flies off the handle quickly i don't want to be that person i don't want to be quick-tempered or or have words that hurt other people just because i'm ticked or i'm frustrated and Over and over, you'll see this theme in Proverbs that a wise person controls their temper, controls the words that they say. I won't make you raise your hand, but who's ever said something you regretted when you were angry? Right. Every one of us should raise both hands because you're angry, right? And you, you think you have a right in your anger to say what you want to. That's foolishness, according to the Proverbs. Wisdom is, no, I learn how to be, you know, quick to listen, as James chapter 1 says, quick to listen and slow to speak. So again, back to the beginning. Wisdom is seeing life and understanding life from God's perspective. That's That's what it is. So how do we grow in wisdom? How do we wise up? Cute title, huh? Oh, come on. The first thing we do is desire it sincerely. Desire wisdom. You've got to desire it. It's got to come from here inside. And it's a, it's a place of humility and brokenness that, God, I need wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 through 8, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you and realize wisdom is what you need to do life to get along with others parents if you're a parent at any season of parenting you need wisdom and i hate to sound like a a, a bummer to anybody but a parent has the opportunity to really screw up their kids that's a sobering reality it's a sobering responsibility that that as a parent you can we can trash our kids lives and not even realize it so that accountability causes us to fall on our knees and say god i need wisdom i don't know how to parent i don't know how to reach my son or daughter's heart i need your wisdom because you know how to you need wisdom in your marriage how to be a good spouse, a good wife, a good husband. You need it at work. You need it to make decisions. Every area of life, we need to develop good judgment. And then secondly, look for it in the Scriptures. Look for it wisdom in the Scriptures. The Scriptures were given to us to find Jesus first and foremost, to introduce us to the Savior and Lord of all things, and then to teach us how to live a life from his perspective the one who is truly the wisdom of god psalm 19:7, david said the instructions of the lord are perfect reviving the soul the decrees of the lord are trustworthy making wise the simple it takes time and it takes discipline to stay saturated in scripture it really does i know this bible reading plan has been new for for some and it's easy to get behind and bogged down but man just keep 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 going like anything else in life if you're going to get in shape you're going to eat right it takes discipline if you're going to save money it takes discipline and it takes discipline and it takes faith that when i'm in this book i'm going to grow i'm going to see life better and from God's perspective Paul told Timothy um he was his young protege he says you've been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, keep in mind, when Paul says, man, you've, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures, he didn't have the New Testament. There was no New Testament. Paul didn't realize he was helping write part of the New Testament. He had the Hebrew Bible from Genesis to Malachi. And he says, these scriptures, you've been taught, and it teaches you it, to find Jesus. And that's a, a huge thing that I would challenge any, any one of us, is could you share the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament alone? That's an important thing, because Jesus told his disciples over and over. He said, listen, I came to fulfill all that was written about me between Genesis and Malachi. And it's good, good, good. Uh, for us to try to know how would we do that? How would we share that? He's saying that the scriptures show us the path that God designs for us humans to to walk on. Here's the path. The scriptures show us when we fall off the path, the scriptures show us how to get back on that path, and the scriptures teach us how to stay on that path. If you want to become wise study the life of Jesus in the four gospels how did Jesus interact with people how did he walk with his father how did he talk to people the people that were with him and the people that were against him you want to learn how to be wise Jesus is the very wisdom of God you learn that from him when my kids were little in elementary school uh, their school uh, i think it was like 4th or 5th grade we would go up I you know, be one of the parents that go on the field trip. And I, we'd go up to uh, Idaho Springs to the old mine shafts and all that kind of stuff. It was a cool little field trip. And at the end, you got to get a little pan, and you went out to the little river, and you panned for gold. Occasionally, people would find, like, little flakes of gold. Any other parents do this, or kids went on? Just me. Okay. My school was cooler than yours, obviously, <laughs> that our kids went to. Um, I'm kidding. But I was thinking about that as just a visual illustration that when you read the Bible, don't just let it be water plowing through pipes, <laughs> but stop, meditate, pan for those little nuggets of truth that are there. Everywhere you, you look, you're going to find something that God will show you that will make you wise and make you walk in the way of Jesus. Jesus. And then thirdly, ask for it in prayer. Jesus' half-brother James, in his letter to the church, he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If you lack wisdom in any area of life, which you do, ask God for wisdom. Make that your daily prayer when you wake up. Father, will you pour your wisdom out on me? Asking God for wisdom is an act of worship. It's an act of worship because it's an act of dependence. God, I don't know all things, but you do. Would you pour out your wisdom on me? And then fourthly, and lastly, spend time with those who are wise have wise people around you wise people that can help counsel you and help you make good decisions don't try to do whatever it is on your own says walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get in trouble oh boy (laughs) we become like those who we hang out with we really do When I look around this room and know our church, there's a lot of really wise people that have great wisdom that God has poured out upon. That's why we need each other. That's why it's important to be connected, to be in a home group, to be in a core group, to to pan the collective wisdom, so to speak, of those around you. We need each other when it comes to this. It's important. So I wonder today, where do you need wisdom? Do me a favor close your eyes with me for a second. And where if you were to be honest you would say man I need wisdom in this area. God as we are honest with ourselves and you we lo- we need wisdom. Lord I know right now where I lack wisdom and where I need you to pour out your wisdom help us to make good decisions help us to make godly decisions to be godly people who walk in love and humility like you lord jesus Lord, we ask you lord for your wisdom in every area of our life in jesus name amen Some of you walked in today and you were like, is it the first of the month? Why are we doing communion? You were a little confused. (laughs) You're in the wrong place. Um, I felt like taking communion was the proper response to a message on wisdom. Because you know what? Communion represents the wisdom of God. It's Jesus is the wisdom of God. We're told in 1 Corinthians one eighteen that for the word of the cross or the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. He goes on to talk about how the Greeks thought this idea of someone dying and rising from the dead, they thought that was, that's dumb, that's foolishness. And that the Jewish people stumbled over this because the Messiah was supposed to come as a david-like figure not a humble god dying on a cross to to rescue us and he goes on to say this he says but by his doing you are in christ jesus who became to us wisdom from god jesus is the wisdom of god and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so we're going to take communion worship team that's your cue (laughs) we always joke would you stand with me and as we approach the communion elements of the bread and the juice to trust in jesus to trust in what he did you're trusting in the wisdom of god because it honestly doesn't fully make sense sometimes to think about well why'd this have to happen well in the mind and wisdom of god he was undoing the fall of adam in Jesus' life death and resurrection and it paul later goes on in in first corinthians 2 and says that the evil one and the rulers of this age had they known what was going to be accomplished in the wisdom of god through the death of jesus they never would have crucified him that amazing they thought they were doing away with the savior the the fault the evil world did and yet in the plan of god as jesus submits himself to death knowing he was going to rise again he did away with them he defeated our enemies of sin death and the evil one through his death and resurrection Again, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord. Let's do that willingly today. Say, I believe. If you've never agreed with Jesus, come into agreement with him about who he is. Because he's already Lord and Savior. We don't make him Lord and Savior. We agree with him. Do that today. And walk with him. So what we're going to do, we have communion set up a little bit different this morning. There's a few in the back for the folks that are sitting behind the, the big pillars there. Then we have the table up here. Would you come and, and grab the, the cup and the, and the bread and then go back to your seat? And we'll take that together after we sing a song.
1: Song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, thy comfort the love. If he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand.
0: Again, remembering Jesus is the wisdom of God. He's everything we need for life and godliness. He's more than enough. And my prayer for us is that we would walk in that, that truth, that that would shake some apathy off of our spiritual lives and that we would just pursue on a daily basis to get to know him more because he loves us and he wants us to, to follow him and to put what he said into practice. He promised, he he promised that it wasn't going to be easy, but he promised that that was what abundant life really was about, that he came to give us abundant life, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but he came to give life and give it abundantly. And that's what happens when we, when we follow him as Lord and we trust in him as savior. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it he looked at his disciples and he said this represents my body that's going to be broken for you eat it in remembrance of me let's do that in the same way after supper he took a cup of wine and He lifted it to heaven and he blessed it. And he said that that this cup represented his blood, which is ushering in the new covenant, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Jesus really did everything for us. Now it's a matter of us remembering that and appropriating it every day. Let's take the cup. Will you just put your hands out in a posture of receiving? May God bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Give you his peace. His wisdom. For every aspect of your life. May you have a sense of his presence as you walk with him away from this place and all throughout your week an awareness of the presence of jesus through the holy spirit may you be aware of the smile of the father upon your life he loves you may you understand that and live in that and may we walk as wise people following jesus for his sake and his glory amen